for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. This is Jake Kokorowski, senior writer here in the Vivid Seats studio. And, of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First-time customers only. I'm going solo today. You got me on this podcast. We're doing this on Friday morning. Been busy. Obviously, the Micah Potter situation in Wisconsin Green Bay, the basketball game last night, uh, and so much more for the site. John McNamara is on, I think what the professional term is, on assignment. So we now have, you guys have me for uh, the next maybe a half hour or so. We'll keep it quick on this game preview podcast. And of course, well, you know what? At the end, we'll save the basketball chat, the Michael Potter discussion after the breaks, but we're going to talk Wisconsin-Purdue, 3 p.m. matchup on Fox. You got Tim Brando on the call, Spencer Tillman as the analyst, always good there. And, of course, you can listen on the Badger Radio Network, especially if you search iHeart on the iHeart Radio app uh, with WIBA, I should say. Matt LaPay, Mike Lucas, you got Mark Tosher, and then, of course, Patrick Herb as the sideline reporter. All great to listen to there. So big matchup, obviously, for Wisconsin. You win. What happens from there? If going to Minneapolis with a chance to win the Big Ten West division if they upend the Gophers. But first, like we mentioned before, they have to take care of the Boilermakers, a 4-6 and six team. You'll hear from Tom Dienhart maybe in about, oh, about five or seven minutes. You'll hear from him talking about this team and how they've had to deal with injuries and how he feels Jeff Brom, this may be his best coaching job he has had or he has done in his time in West Lafayette. So that, that's high praise for a coach that obviously spurned an offer to go to Louisville, or at least reportedly went to Louisville there. So real quick, too, we always go through the injury reports right off the bat. Cole Van Lannen, he will be out, the starting left tackle from Green Bay. He's out for Wisconsin with a head injury. He was not on the preliminary status report on Monday, but according to reports you saw from the Wisconsin State Journal's Colton Bartholomew, the Athletics' Jesse Temple, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's Jeff Patrikas, who were down there yesterday, I couldn't make it down there because parent-teacher conferences. So it happens when you have dad life and you, you stay at home with the boys too. However, back to the game, they were all reported with that status report, the updated status report, that Van Lannan will be out. And according to Bartholomew, according to Colton, he said that Tyler Beach or that Tyler Beach will start in place of Van Lannan. That according to head coach Paul Christ. So that is interesting. Obviously, the implications of that, the past two games, they've had the same starting offensive line from left tackle to right tackle, Van Lannan, David Mormon, Tyler B, uh, Tyler Biotish, Jason Erdman, and then, of course, too, you had Logan Bruss at right tackle. So if Beach is inserted over there on the left side, and according to Pro Football Focus, his, his grading's been okay. Uh, he's had maybe a sixth of the snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, court, you know, from Cole Van Lannan. But the redshirt sophomore from the Port Washington area should have an opportunity to assert himself, and he'll have to go up against a defensive line that could see a returning Lorenzo Neal. You'll hear that from Tom Deanhart about possibly the standout defensive lineman 
for the Boilermakers coming back possibly this week. We talk more about that in a second, but also he, he you look at George Karloftis. I'll talk to him, talk about that in my keys to the game. True freshman, going to be a, probably a freshman All-American. Six sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Leads the team in both categories. It won't be easy, I, I, I don't think, for Wisconsin, but I think they can obviously get the job done against uh, an injury-ravaged Boilermakers squad. Uh, Rondale Moore does not look like he will play. Uh, based off, if you guys go to goldenblack.com, our rivals neighbors that cover Purdue Athletics, but Elijah Sindelar is also out. There, also out. Jack Plummer, who was the backup to Elijah Sindelar at quarterback, also out. So they are on their third quarterback. We'll talk about Aiden O'Connell in just a little bit. And then on defense, I mean, Lorenzo O'Neal's been out. Marcus Bailey, their all-conference linebacker, out. So, again, it's going to be quite interesting to see what – Jeff Brom and his Boilermakers can bring the Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday. But again, they're four and six with their record and with the amount of key injuries, them staying around 500, I think is pretty admirable. But before we get to Tom, let's talk about the recruiting aspect of the game. Last home game for Wisconsin. It's going to be senior day for that matter. So we look at the future. We look at the past, but we'll get to the past in just a little bit after the Dean Hardett interview. We already talked about it on the last podcast. Nolan Rucci, the four-star offensive tackle, number 30 player in the 2021 class. For, uh, and obviously a key Wisconsin target, the younger brother of Badgers, two freshman tight end, Hayden Rucci, will be in town from what we have heard. And we reported that earlier this week. That will be a big visit for him. He last visited in April. And... He's got offers, obviously, from Penn State, all the big names, Ohio State, Clemson, etc. And so Wisconsin will have another chance to make an imprint on him. And obviously they know the program well with Hayden coming to Wisconsin. Hayden himself a four-star player, according to Rivals, for the 2019 class. Another name going a little bit, you know, even, a, you know, going to the 2022 class, you're looking at Fond du Lac's Braylon Allen. Rivals lists him as an athlete. And he already has an early offer from Iowa. Those are two big names to watch. We will break down more once we hear from others uh, coming forward. You know, if we obviously check on Twitter at McNamara Rivals for John, me at Jay Coco, because we'll have, we'll retweet any player that does show up and whatnot too. So stay tuned. Uh, and also, of course, on BadgerBlitz.com for that. So let's dive in more to Purdue. And again, a team that should not be taken lightly. Jeff Brown has a very aggressive offense, playmakers on the outside, on the edges, at the skill positions, maybe with the exception of the run game. You'll hear more from Tom about that. The run game, not great, under 80 yards per contest. Uh, Very one-dimensional. They throw for nearly 300 yards per contest. Uh, So that's going to be something that Wisconsin will have to defend. But let's get to Tom Deanhart here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Joining us now to discuss the Purdue Boilermakers, our friend from goldenblack.com, the our rivals cousins that cover Purdue athletics. We got Tom Deanhart on the line. Tom, thanks for joining us today. And Purdue comes in to this game, four and six on a season, three and four in Big Ten play. I know injuries have played a role with this program this season, but and we'll dive into that in a bit. But what have you been your overall impressions of Jeff Brown's program in 2019? Yeah, like you said, Jake, just a snake bitten 
uh, team in 2019. Um, and that's forced him to play a lot of young players, a lot of guys who just frankly aren't ready for Big Ten football from a physical development standpoint at this point. And, yes, Purdue is just four and six. Um, but I think, you know, you can make a case that this this coaching job in 2019 may be better than what Brom did his first two years here. So, again, they still have a bowl pulse. Obviously, winning Wisconsin is going to be tough. But, again, for Purdue to even be in this position, given their injury circumstances and starting a walk-on quarterback is is pretty impressive. And that's where we'll go to that injury part right now. I know, you know, uh, Brom discussed Rondale Moore and Lorenzo Neal's potential status on Monday, noting he needs to see them in practice. Uh, I think he you used the word or you wrote about it saying not optimistic, but as we talked about before we started recording, any updates to their status this week and who are the other Boilermakers who could play, who might not play, and, well, quite frankly, who's iffy? Yeah, asking Brom about injuries is always one of the highlights, right? <laughs> has been throughout the course of the fall. And, yeah, Lorenzo Neal, he's, again, those were Brom's words. He's, I mean, I should say Rondale Moore, using Brom's words, not overly optimistic. Um, uh, So, again, Badger fans can breathe a sigh of relief. Don't think number four is going to be on the field. He got hurt way back on September 28th against Minnesota. Only played four games this year. So, you know, there's there's some thought and conjecture at this point. Uh, they're probably probably going to shut him down, but we'll see. Uh, and then Lorenzo Neal, that that's the X factor there, Jake. That's a guy um, we're allowed to come in and watch the first two periods of practice. And he was out there on Tuesday in full pads uh, running with the defensive lineman. He has not played all year. He hurt his knee against Indiana last year, had surgery in the offseason, you know, he was supposed to come back for training camp, and he was supposed to come back at some point during, you know, October. They kept kicking the can down the road. Finally, they may take the wraps off Neil, and he's a big 6'3", 315-pound tackle who some people think could be a first-round NFL draft pick. So um, keep your eye. He's number nine. You can't miss him. And if he, he's able to play, that will certainly help Purdue in its quest to try to not stop him, maybe at least try to slow down the runaway train that's Jonathan Taylor. Now looking at that offense, you know, on, on the flip side of the ball, we know with Moore's injury status, Elijah Sindelar, uh, how, you know, with his injury, uh, how is that offense continuing to get down the field? And I think <laughs> probably likely it looks with obviously a tight end like Bryson Hopkins and a receiver like David Bell. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's what I said from the top, you know, considering what, how Brahms been able to keep this offense on track. They've won their last two games given some of the personnel limitations, has been impressive. Um, yeah, you know, the quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, is from the Chicago area, a sophomore walk-on. And, uh, heck, back in August, this guy was an afterthought, buried on the depth chart. Similar goes down on the same play that Rondell Moore got hurt against Minnesota. He's done with a broken clavicle. And then uh, later this fall, they had Jack Plummer, <clears throat> redshirt freshman quarterback, break his right ankle. He's done, and uh, here's Aiden O'Connell. So, again, uh, the kid's done well, and like I said, they're taking advantage of guys like David Bell, guys like Bryce Hopkins, who's a Mackey Award semifinalist. Um, if they can't run the ball, though, Jake, that's the big issue. The line has gotten better, but it's certainly never going to be confused with Wisconsin's offensive line. So uh, they try to stitch together whatever they can on the ground. But if they're going to win these games uh, down the stretch, uh, they're going to have to rely on Aiden O'Connell throwing the football 
to guys like David Bell and Bryson Hopkins. Looking at the defense, on average, they've given up over 410 yards per game. There are, you know, we know that there's that true freshman standout, uh, George Karloftis, uh, mm-hmm. as well. But what have they done on defense in your eyes, and who are the key playmakers besides a possible returning Lorenzo Neal that could make an impact on Saturday? Yeah, if you go back to the second half of the game at Penn State on October 5th, that's when Purdue's defense started to play better. Uh, it's never going to be confused with the steel curtain, but they, they have gotten better and, uh, and they do a good job of limiting big plays, which is key. If the teams are going to score, they typically have to earn it. And then that's obviously helped a unit that's still a little shorthanded uh, because of injuries. Um, and we talked about Neil, no doubt. They can plug him up front with Anthony Watts. Uh, junior defensive tackle who has some girth but dealt with an elbow issue. That certainly gives him two good tackles. And then the freshman you talked about, George Karloftis, um, he's going to be a freshman All-American, I think, in consensus. You could probably pencil that in now. He's been he's been everything and then some, living up to the hype. The local kid from West Lafayette High School graduated early, and the second he got here for spring football, they put him in the starting lineup, and he has not left. Usually these guys come in as prima donnas, coddled kids and titled kids, but Karloftis has come with a blue-collar attitude, and he's, he's coupled that with his, uh, with his talent. So, again, number five off the edge, watch Karloftis. Uh, and, again, the back half of the defense, you know, Ben Holtz, the son of defensive coordinator, Nick Holt, sort of a sawed-off, try-hard guy. Um, but, again, um, the, the back half of the defense isn't great. A couple other guys to watch. Um, uh, keep your eye on uh, retro freshman cornerback Corey Trice, six foot three corner. He could be a special kid, I think, in the future. And they have another freshman in the back end named Jalen Graham, a true freshman from the Detroit area they like a lot. So there's talent there, but again, what's the team from front to back for Purdue? A lot of these guys still really uh, need to develop more physically to really be effective. Now, Wisconsin's also had some trouble with some spread type offenses. Every Offense is different, obviously, but we've seen what Jeff Brom can do with his type of offenses. How do you think he will try to attack Wisconsin this weekend? He talked about that in his Monday press conference. He said that the, the offenses that have given Wisconsin trouble are ones that have those mobile athletic quarterbacks like like uh, Adrian Martinez at Nebraska and Justin Fields at Ohio State, the quarterbacks that can move. Purdue, that, that's not Purdue. You know, Aiden O'Connell's a six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound kid. Got a nice arm, throws a good ball, but he's not athletic. So, don't be fearing in your read options and, and things of that nature. A lot of design quarterback runs. So, that's the conundrum, I guess. If you're Purdue, how do you how do you figure out a way to beat this Wisconsin team? Purdue can't line up and run the ball on anybody. So they have to gimmick up their ground game and use a short passing game to sort of replicate a running game. And frankly, just get the ball on the edges to guys like David Bell. And they'll wolf over the running backs. Watch King Doru, another true freshman. He's their top running back. And you talked about Bryson Hopkins as well. I think he's a pro. His dad, Brad Hopkins, was a star offensive tackle at Illinois. He played in the NFL for a long time for the Oilers and Titans. And uh, he's a guy that they have to get the ball to. So, again, short passing game. And I guarantee you this, Jeff Brown is going to take his shots downfield. And everybody knows it, and and all of those defenses have to be on their heels a little bit, and that that's what helps Purdue out. Is having that aggressive 
aspect on their offense where Brom is going to take those shots down the field in addition to trying to hit you short. Final question for you, Tom. Well, we'll make it two parts. One, what's your prediction for the game on Saturday? And two, what's your favorite spot to eat when you make your way to Madison? <laughs> I will say this. I'm not pandering to you, but that is my favorite Big Ten stop. <laughs> I've been to every – I've been lucky and blessed to have been to every campus in the conference, been to games at every school, and Madison, hands down, is, is the best uh, the best city in Camp Randall, that atmosphere – Ranks as good as anybody's. Um, first, a prediction. Last I saw, I think Purdue was getting 23 points. Uh, Wisconsin's won 13 in a row against Purdue. Purdue's never lost as many games in a row to any rival. So, uh, you know, this has been a humbling series for the Boilermakers. They've come close the last two times, as you know, triple overtime here last year, 17-9 to in Madison in 2017. That's the only time Jeff Brom's team has never scored a touchdown since he's been here. So they've been close. I don't think this one's going to be close, though. Senior day, probably Jonathan Taylor's last game ever in Camp Randall Stadium. He's coming off consecutive 200-yard rushing games. I think uh, I think Wisconsin probably covers here and has a, has a good old time on senior day. And he stays in the thick of the Big Ten West title race to set up that big game with Wisconsin. Or sure, big game with Minnesota the next week. Um, man, you know, as far as favorite place to eat, um, there's a place I believe called the Great Dane. Yep. Um, that's very good. And is there a place called it's like old, old, the old fashioned right on this, right on the town, right on the Capitol square. Um, Absolutely. The, the, yeah. I think that's what it was called, but that, that was a good place. But great Dane was a place I always enjoyed going to when I was in, uh, when I've been in Madison over the years. So again, um, I'll hopefully get there on Friday and get a chance to hit the town and find another good place to uh, uh in a few days here. Excellent. And before we let you go, what can fans expect from goldenblack.com as we head into the weekend? Well, we'll have, I think, post today or tomorrow, uh, sort of a sort of a breakdown of the opponent, who has the edge. And, um, of course, I'm always at practices, always file practice reports as well. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff looking for. Of course, we'll have all our, our predictions from all of our contributors on our site on Friday as well. And we'll have a podcast as well, sort of a pregame radio show, which will include an interview with you, of course, as well as, you know, our host talks to me and some of our other writers, Brian Newbert and Alan Karpik. So again, plenty of coverage always uh, from our side hitting in all these ballgames. Tom, always great talking with you. I've talked with you earlier this summer and we've been talking ever since. Appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing you in the press box on Saturday. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Big thanks to Tom joining us again earlier this week. And of course, follow him on Twitter and you can follow him at Tom Deanhart. That's D-I-E-N-H-A-R-T-1 on the Twitter.com. Great insight from him. And he was, he was a lot of fun. Uh, and hopefully uh, he enjoys his time. And what he talked about is one of this, you know, obviously uh, a place that he holds very dear to himself, uh, to himself, uh, and being around and being exposed to so much Big Ten culture like he has. So, uh, looking forward to seeing him in the press box tomorrow. Let's get to my keys to the game. Let's start with the offense, folks. Continuing, in my opinion, the ground dominance that you have seen since the bye week. Wisconsin's offensive line, even with Van Lennon out. I think they can run the ball on Purdue. Purdue allows about 172, 173 yards per game. And what 
Wisconsin has done in the past two weeks, 620 yards on about 6.8 yards per carry. That's pretty good. And they've usually kept a consistent line. I have not seen Josh Seltzner or Caden Lyles get in at the guard positions. So you've seen mostly uh, David Mormon at left guard, Jason Urban at right guard. We'll see if Van Lannen being out changes anything tomorrow, and I'll keep a close eye on that during pregame warmups and obviously once the ball game begins. But Jonathan Taylor, too, obviously has run wild on Purdue since he has come into the college football landscape. 540 yards. So he's averaging 270 yards per contest in the two uh, in two games that he's played. And then last week he became the first Badger, according to UW, to run for three, for 200 or more yards against an opponent three times in his career. This could happen again. I'm not I'm not saying it will, but it could happen again. And if it does, obviously it adds on to his one Wisconsin should win. Two, it adds on to his legacy of what he could, you know, what he'll leave whenever he does leave Wisconsin. And so that will be big for Wisconsin, you know, that'll be big for the Badgers. Continue that ground game, but I mentioned it earlier before we talked with Tom George Karloftis is a, and he mentioned, talked about him as well, could be a dominant force in college football when all of a sudden done, in my opinion. He's come in as a true freshman, as a as Tom alluded to in spring practice and started immediately. Uh, Wisconsin, with one of their best pass blockers out, will need to contain him. And if Neal does return, that's going to be another factor they'll have to deal with on Saturday. So, Let's go to the flip side of the ball on defense. Obviously, Wisconsin got torched last weekend in in Nebraska. Almost 500 yards allowed, 273 on the ground. Statistically, it was the worst performance they've had. They lost on third down. And so a top 10 unit getting thrashed like that. Not great, obviously. and, And we'll talk about what Minnesota could bring next week. But focusing in on Boilermakers, again, a team that's very much one-dimensional. They can't run the ball. We've already established that. In my opinion, then, if they, if they can watch out for that short passing game that Tom Deanhart alluded to earlier, I think they, they can get pressure on O'Connell. Wisconsin right now fourth in the FBS in sacks per game at 3.7. I believe they're fifth overall in terms of overall sacks. I think they have 37 through 10 games, so that's fifth in the FBS. But... Purdue gives up about 2.5 per game uh, heading into this contest. I think, obviously, when you have guys like Chris Orr and Zach Bond who have combined for 19.5 sacks on the season through 10 games, and those two have already eclipsed what happened last year, where last year the entire team through 13 games only had 19. This Wisconsin is on path to actually go over what it uh, accumulated into the 2017 season, that big season where I think they had 42. They're just five away, and I think they can accomplish it even in the regular season. We'll see what they can do tomorrow uh, against Purdue, Purdue for that matter, where I think they can get some pressure with Bond. Uh, be the first time in a while that you've seen two Badgers have double-digit sacks on a defense. So, I think it was Colton Bartholomew from the Wisconsin State Journal that said, I think it was back in the 90s that that had happened. So, honestly, that's one key. The second one in my eyes, 
contain those chunk plays. Wisconsin in the passing game, and then also, yeah, obviously the run game, which I'm not worried about necessarily. Even though Chris Orr, if you guys go to Badger Blitz's YouTube page, Orr actually gives credit to to a running back. He doesn't name him, but you heard from Tom Deanhart, King Doru, 403 yards, 3.5 yards per carry, five touchdowns, and then 126 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns there. So again, Orr doesn't necessarily call out the name of the running back, but you talk to Tom Deanhart and you look at the stats, I believe he's talking about King Doru on that note. But that that receiving game, Fayon Hicks mentioned it earlier this week on Monday. Uh, two big names uh, to, to watch for. You're looking at David Bell, uh, 65 receptions, 791 yards, five touchdowns, leads the team in that category. Big playmaker, true freshman. But then you also have Ahmad Anderson Jr., 29 receptions, 334 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, so those are two big names to watch out. I think, you know, Jackson Anthrop, also a short yardage type receiver, 33 catches, 278 yards. But the one thing, O'Connell's got a good arm. He threw for 271 against Northwestern last uh, two weeks ago. So Wisconsin will have to avoid, and those defensive backs in that secondary will have to avoid giving up huge chunk plays. And Dean Hart mentioned how they're going to be, how he's going to be aggressive. Uh, I think one name that we haven't talked about, we talked about the, the skill positions like that tight end. Bryson Hopkins is an NFL caliber uh, tight end. He has 45 receptions. That's second on the team, 561 yards, three touchdowns of his own. So I don't know if he's necessarily seen a tight end like that yet that Wisconsin has had to match up against. So Wisconsin and defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard will have to contain whatever Purdue throws at them this weekend. So, that's what I got there. And before we actually get to basketball, we take and take our breaks. Maybe we should just talk about the senior classes for once. And I got obviously my game notes here provided by UW and looking at this. I mean, it's a, they call it a senior send off. They're going to have 13 Badgers honored before the game. So make sure you get there early folks. If you want to see likes of, I'm, I'm not going to name all 13, but Zach bonds among them. Zach Hintz, Jason Erdman, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Lottie, David Mormon, Chris Orr, uh, along with uh, Bradrick Shaw, A.J. Taylor as well. Um, UW called it out 40-11 and 11 record over the past four years, three bowl games that includes two year New York Six victories. And on top of that, you look at what the senior class has done, and we always kind of look at what the senior leadership is with in college football to see who's stepping up when, and obviously with a team like Wisconsin that develops players, it, it's paramount that the seniors step up in that regard. And really you've seen within the depth chart, even 11 of the 13 are on the two deep. And then eight of those have first team designations. So it, they are stepping up. You've seen what Orr and Bond have done for the defense and, and resurrecting and resuscitating uh, the pass rush from last year that was dormant for the, for, for the most part. And then also the offensive line. I mean, Erdman, a former walk-on. I mean, look at the – I'm talking about walk-ons real quick. Jason Erdman, Zach Hintz. You had, you know, uh, on that note, those players – Connor Allen uh, as well because Allen has been a key holder for years now for Wisconsin – Erdman stepped up and is a versatile interior lineman that can play all three interior positions. 
Hints is driving. I mean, he is the most important part of that special teams in terms of driving back opponents and making them start from the 25 often. Uh, and if not, like they're for a good part of the time, he's actually pinning opponents back when he doesn't get touchbacks. And then even a guy, you know, like Tyler Johnson, who had a sack against Nebraska last week, walk-ons again have stepped up there. Um, this class will be known for its winning ways that I think the story is not yet finalized. Right. And I told when I asked Chris or when I asked Jason Erdman earlier this week, what the legacy of this class is. Yeah. I preface it saying, I know the story is not yet final. It has not final, you know, the, the end chapters have not been written yet, but this team, you know, they, they mentioned Chris or mentioned resiliency, uh, a a resilient class, uh, looking at Erdman, Erdman mentioned to me just how the class is, you know, the, the seems like the culture changed uh, and they, they play for each other. So I think that's what they'll be remembered for. And if they go and they beat Purdue and they beat Minnesota and they win the Big Ten West Championship, I think that obviously adds to their legacy and what they left behind. And we'll see what they do against Ohio State. If they do win out, uh, we'll see what they do in the Big Ten Championship game and which bowl they, they would receive. So, Again, a lot left to be known, and so we'll go from there. But it all starts, of course, inside Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday, Wisconsin-Purdue. Make sure you have your seats for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is a top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. And from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enjoy the royalty, the Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it comes time to buy, new, year, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. But of course, too, November, I know we're getting towards Thanksgiving, but it's one of the great sports months of the year. You have college football, you have college basketball, you got some tournaments coming up this week, this weekend, this upcoming week for Thanksgiving week. You have the NBA kickstarting with the Bucks. if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, heating up NHL, golf, NFL, you name it. My bookie is a place to get in on all the action, and if you're the kind of person who likes to bet to a little or to win a lot, try a parlay. Of course, they have props, futures, in-game betting available too with NFL lines, NBA lines, NHL lines, and NCAA hoops. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with. Just use promo code overtime to activate the offer. Once again, that's Promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's wrap up this edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks for working with us as we work to pay the bills in terms of those advertisements. So we really appreciate you guys there. And let's talk some quick basketball. I was down at the Kohl Center. I was burning the midnight oil in terms of getting articles out last night. Wisconsin wins 88-70 over Green Bay. A lot of good. Six players in double figures once again like you saw against Marquette. All five once again in terms of starters 
reaching that mark, that benchmark. And Nate Reavers, despite being in foul trouble, leads the team with 19 points. Brad Davison actually leads the team in scoring through five games at 15.6, had 15 points despite having to deal with that what appeared to be a left ankle issue. Uh, but again, you know, more positives from that team. The three-point shooting, I think that needs to be discussed. Where and I took it in one of my observations after the game. If Wisconsin continues to do what they do from the three-point line in terms of getting, one, setting themselves up, and we'll talk about the assists in a second, but the teams, if they can make those shots, they were 10-19 in that first half. That included Brevin Pritzel's uh, bank shot, uh, which it was funny because Brian Butch, a friend of mine, uh, and also, of course, uh, on the score at BJ and the Bear, for those that are up in the Fox Valley area, uh, great show. I love being part of uh, that show on Fridays to help preview Badgers or Thursdays, depending on when they need me. But he also called the game for Big Ten Network as the analyst alongside Lisa Byington. Great crew. Uh, looking forward to watching the replay later today. But he was in the building. Of course, he banked the three-point shot against Indiana when he played years ago. And next thing you know, Bravin Pritzel decides to bank it uh, right before halftime to send Wisconsin up to a 22-point like lead, and they ended up winning by 18, but uh, we'll go one more positive before I go to get to the negatives. The assess were great, 24 for the game. At least eight players recorded one. There's good, solid passing, and when they drain those threes, obviously it helps too with this, you know, pad the stats there. And so that's what you've seen kind of from this team. You're seeing these open looks, and it's a matter of them nailing them. And when you have five players on the court that can shoot at all times, that makes this team much more dangerous. And in my opinion, you know, Ethan Half obviously is a legend, uh, but his skill set lent to a different, looked like a different style of offense. Maybe I, should just, I shouldn't say different style, but just they attack teams differently because of what he could bring. And, and being honest, his limitations in terms of range. Now you have five players mostly on the court that can shoot from anywhere uh, and, and be a threat. So again, uh, it's good to see what Wisconsin's doing there. And, and you know, they did eventually outshoot Green Bay from the free throw line. They did not get to the free throw line in the second half until the last couple of minutes of that frame. But uh, a win's a win. They go to four and one. A couple of negatives, though. I, I think turnovers, uh, 13 on the game, six of them in the second half. And, and Green Bay turned nine of those, uh, t- converted into nine points in the second half uh, off of turnovers there. I think sloppy defense uh, points in the paint were an issue for the Badgers against Green Bay and Green Bay, the Phoenix shot over 50% in that second half. That'll have to be worked on. I mean, it's also credit to, to Green Bay and Phoenix what and the Phoenix for what they do where in their style of play and they came in and, uh, but on the other hand, Wisconsin prides itself on defense They'll have to correct it. Obviously, they will, uh, in my regard, before they head out to Brooklyn for, obviously, a tournament next week. And we'll talk more about that. I do want to touch base real quick on the Micah Potter situation. Uh, For those that did not hear his, from what it reportedly is, I think Jim Polzine noted it. And I think, uh, yeah, Jim Polzine noted it for sure, reported it. It's the final appeal for, for Micah Potter. It was denied by the NCAA Committee for Legislative Relief. A disappointment to say the least, uh, and and we'll get on our soapbox. I think John and I will talk about it hopefully this weekend a little bit more in detail. Uh, but real quick on my end, uh, you heard Greg Gard 
after the game. If you guys go to our YouTube page, we have the audio up, the video of Guard talking in a very passionate speech, very frustrated, you can tell, based off of that. So uh, that decision from the NCAA committee, Potter will now have to sit out until December 21st, which uh, that game is against Milwaukee at the Kohl Center. But, uh, you know, it, it is disappointing in my eyes. Uh, we'll talk more about it with our opinions, I think, next week. But it is disappointing to see a player like Potter who, on from the outside looking in and from what we've been told, has done everything right to be denied the opportunity to play, uh, you know, and missing essentially, you know, three semesters worth of games all because of this transfer situation. And I think what makes it worse is the NCAA not providing in my, you know, more transparency, the ability to see what they're seeing. Uh, and Greg Gard alluded to the rationale behind it. Uh, and he talked about it, about mitigating circumstances. Guard gave his thoughts again, check out that interview because, or that press conference, because Greg, that's the most impassioned and the most fiery that I've seen him. And based off of, what you know, I think that's been. I think that's one of the most passion, most impassioned I've seen him talk during a press conference in quite some time. Uh, in my time covering the basketball beat in the past three, three and a half years, it's the obviously the most fiery I've ever seen him. So again, check that out uh, and check out BadgerBlitz.com. We transcribed everything. We updated it this morning. We transcribed his quotes from a couple of questions, uh, breaking down his thoughts about the whole entire situation. So. On that note, make sure you guys go to badgerblitz.com, wisconsin.rivals.com. For all your Wisconsin Badgers athletics news, we'll also go. We also have a Facebook page, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com. For Twitter, follow John at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, and then the official Badger Blitz Twitter account at Badger underscore Blitz. For this podcast, Please give us your reviews. We want to make this the best Wisconsin Badgers podcast out there. How does that happen? Well, folks, you have the opportunity to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, all those great avenues. You can go to our Overtime Media page as well. Five-star reviews are definitely wanted. We appreciate those. However, we do want your genuine feedback. What can we do to make this better, this podcast better? We appreciate everyone listening. We want to continue to grow the audience. Let us know what we can do. Five star reviews again. Five star reviews are great, but hey, give us what give us some honest feedback to help make this show even better than what it is right now. But later this weekend, coming up probably Sunday night or even Monday, we'll recap Wisconsin Purdue. Axe week will start, and we'll talk more basketball. Stay tuned. We got so much more coming, especially recruiting. Who comes to who came to Madison and and what they thought of the experience inside Camp Randall as Wisconsin took on Purdue. You'll hear more about that on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.